be able to just listen about your word and to be able to study your word and delve into it. And uh, I just thank you for Pastor Dan sending him here for us to be able to just profit from his teaching to us that you that you give to him. And I just thank you for him because I know I, I feel things would not be the same without him. And I'm just really glad and I just thank you for this opportunity for all of us to be together and to be able to praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Um, who, who remembers what we talked about last week? What was just sort of the, the main topic about? Anybody? Please, somebody. Self-worth, right? Self-esteem and self-worth. And where are we supposed to find our self-worth in? God. Do we always find our self-worth in God? Does everybody find their self-worth in God? Man, a lot of times we don't. We find it in our friends and girlfriend or boyfriend. We may find it in sports. We may find it in, in books and how smart, smart we are. Um, now, I was asked uh, after the edge, last week was pure, 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 purity week one. And a student came up to me and said, I really enjoyed what you, what you spoke on, but what in the world did that have to do with pure, purity? And I went, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. And can I tell you this? It has everything to do with purity. If your self-worth is based on anything apart from God, your purity is going to crumble and fall. You are going to try to find satisfaction in so many ways that will fail you. So the whole point for last week, which for some may not have been clear, let me just make it clear, is founded. Foundationally, we put our 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 worth in, in God, and that helps everything else to fall into place. And when we start to get off, we need to ask ourselves, okay, am I doing this because I want them to like me and I want to feel better about myself, or am I living for Christ and living for God, knowing that He saved me and He's got a plan for my life, and that is going to direct the way that I live my life? So that's how that works. Okay, are we are we good? All right, I just wanted to make sure because that's important. The foundation. And you're, some of you are going, dude, I'm 11. I'm, I'm 12. It's, it's, it's critically important for you to get at the age that you're at. It can save you so much hurt and harm. And not only that, but it can make it so that God can use you in mighty ways throughout your teenage years if you can start to live this out and get this right, first of all. Now, tonight, I want to speak about something Purity Week 2, that for some of you is going to be in your face, and for most every youth and teenager in this room, and every adult has probably been through this and, and fought through this, and some of you are going to like it and go, yeah, man, that was good, and some of you are going to hate it. So sorry, but not sorry, because this, I feel like I'm teaching the Word of God, and sometimes it's hard to accept and in James 1.19, it says, it says, hey, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow, slow to become angry. And we use that a lot. Hey, when you deal with, with folks, be quick to, quick to hear and, 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 and listen, be slow to speak and slow to become angry. But you know what that really refers to is when someone comes and brings the word of God and the truth of God to you, you're called to do three things. Be quick to hear. If they say it's the word of God, be, be quick to hear, be slow to speak. What does that mean? You think about it. Have you ever heard, heard had someone, you're in a group, they bring up some, 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 something that you think is wrong or 
you're not sure or not, and you just go, <laughs> right, like that. Maybe you don't speak quite that way, but you've seen that person or you've been that, that person. And before you, they even finish what they're saying, you are, you are mad and trying to fight back. And in the Word of God, it says, hey, when the Word of God is preached and taught to you, listen to it. Be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Why? Because God wants to use this to make us all, you, men and, and women of God. Okay? Are you with me? Are you going, where in the world is he going tonight? Dear Lord, help us. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. What book do y'all think we're in? Oh, y'all are amazing scholars. This is awesome. And we're actually in this, the, the second book, not the first book. And he's always, he's written to them, and they are not he, 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 hearing what he said to them. And they're getting in trouble. He's trying to show them love, but they aren't showing any love back. And right before the passage we're about to study, the verse before where we're about to jump into, in 2 Corinthians 6, 13, he says this. In return, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. Now, he's saying this right before he goes into this next text where we're going to be. And all of a sudden, he says, hey, 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 I'm going to speak to you as, as, as my, my, my own kids. I would speak to my own kids, those who I love. And I'm going to ask you to do this. Your heart might be closed right now. Open it up. Just take a minute. Open it up. I don't want you to take everything I say tonight as gold. You know what? I want you to go going, okay. You might go, I sort of agree with that, and I want you to read it for your own and seek God on your own about it and have him confirm it in your life. Don't, you know, don't just, just because Dan said it doesn't mean it's the law. Most time it is. But it's, you know, confirm it. And when I speak to you tonight about this, um, what I'm speaking to you about, and I want you to understand this, uh, I want you to speak to you as if you're my own kids. And I want to share it to you as if you are my very own. And it's that important for you to get. So give what you hear a chance, not only for your ears to hear, but for your heart to respond to. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say. Now, um, God created marriage. Okay, he created the relationship, marriage relationship with a plan and a purpose. Did you get that verse in there, Sydney? You, you working on it? Um, Genesis chapter 2. And if you've got your Bibles, turn. We're going to jump in a few spots tonight. We're going to start in Genesis 2. And I'm just going to read through this where God institutes and begins the marriage relationship. This is what it says in verse 18. Then the, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Then he goes on to say in verse 20, the man gives names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So in verse 21, so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had, had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Do you understand? This is the very first instance of, if you've been to a wedding before, a father usually brings the bride down the aisle to the husband, and he gives her away. This is the very first giving away of the bride right here. God creates the woman, and it says this. The man doesn't go to find her, that God brings her to him. He, he, he gives her away. 
And then it says this, then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The actual Hebrew words are hubba hubba. That's what he says. He's like, whoa, ho, ho, ho. Okay? He noticed this isn't like anything else he has seen, and this is a very good thing. In verse 24, it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God creates the first marriage. And can I tell you, when I've gotten to marry, officiate, I'm married to one woman. I've officiated in 26 weddings. He's like, Brother Dan was married 26 times. No. But I go over this with, and it never gets old when I, when I, I talk to a, a soon-to-be man and wife as we walk through this, how God created this the first time. And it says something very important, and don't miss, because marriage is so key. And it says this, the two shall become one flesh. And in Ephesians 5, it says it's a mystery that God does. And we can't explain it all, but there's something that God does to unite that man and woman. And it's intended for life. That's God's plan for marriage. That's where it's found at. And do you know what? You may be 11, you may be 12, you may be in this room 14, 16, 17, 18, and there's a point in your life that you're going to go, oh, look, look at that guy. Hmm, look at that girl. And all of a sudden, they're not going to be the ger- germy gross things that they always were. And you're going to go, hmm. And feelings are going to come. And we're not going to go real deep in those feelings tonight, praise God. But they're going to come. And it's, it's a normal thing that God's created you to be. But what I want to really start to talk to you about tonight, because you're at an age in teenage years where you start to look around and you're trying to figure out, who is it am I supposed to marry? And I want to help to give you a blueprint of what God says they're supposed to look like so you know what to look for. Because this is what I've seen in 22 years of working with youth. I have seen too many youth settle for what not God had planned for them. But just, I settle because, you know, it's just, they they just give up. And I don't want you to give up. Because I think God has a great plan for you. And if you're even 11, 12 going, "Ah, I don't know if this is for me. Begin to store some of these truths away. Because there's going to be a time when you will be tested. Tested and pushed on, am I going, going to, to, to follow what God says or not? Um, in the 1920s, my grandmother, who's still alive, she's 96 now. Uh, and so the 1920s, I'm not sure what year, but she was married at the age of 14. Now, I used to believe, even up to a few years ago, that that was the norm. They got married real young back then, so they didn't really have to deal with, with, with lust and and all that stuff. They didn't have the teenage year spread where they did, ah, you know. They, they got married young. And, and so, and then a man I'd worked with named Colonel Dan Davis, one of the coolest men you could ever meet at my, my last church, uh, he eloped with his wife uh, when he was, she was 13, he was 14. Who here is, is 13 in this room right now? Oh, dear Lord, that's scary, right? Okay. Yeah, is, is, is that young? Now, the normal age in the 20s to get, to get married, the average age, not, not normal, was really 21 for a girl, 23 for, for a man. So it, it wasn't too far off from where we, we, we are now, but this is the way that it looked because it was drastically different back then. 
they would be friends. They would see someone all of a sudden, they would key in on p- potential b- b- both ways. They'd begin to court each other. The families would be somewhat involved, and, and then they would get married. There wasn't a dating phase at all. Understand, dating is something that is somewhat new in the world. If we talk at the scheme of what the whole world is, and in the Word of God, it's not, it's not really addressed. It's not really a biblical concept at all. It's something that, that man has sort of made. So back then, that's the way they would do it. They'd be friends. They would court. They would get married. Let's fast forward to 1988. Pastor Dan is in his prime, right? I'm cool as I'll get out. I'm in the 11th grade or 12th grade. And um, <clears throat> the way that it worked back then was that you, um, you, you were friends. Then you got goaded on by your friends to ask a, ask a girl out. You, uh, you used to, in the eighth grade, you would do the box, the, the check the box. Y'all still do that some here, here now? Now y'all do is a lot different. Y'all are really weird now. Uh, we would do, do the box. Um, we would date and break up and then date and break up and date and break up. Then find, finally some, somebody uh, that you would get engaged to and then you would get married. That was the way that it looked back in 1988. Uh, and it was messy as I'll get out. I'll even share with you. We would even, um, I was at church, and there was a, gr- a girl I wanted to go out with, and I was with a bunch of friends at church. We were in the fel- fellowship hall, and uh, I said, you know, and her dad was a, a, a terrorist type of guy. You know what I'm saying? Just no offense to anybody who's a, ter- a terrorist or looks like one. Um, <laughs> but, um, <coughs> but, Hey, no, I'm kidding. That's, everybody say hi to Nick. I didn't, look at that. Hey, that's wrong with me to do that one. I'm sorry, Nick. We're glad you're here, brother. And uh, so that uh, looks sort of like Nick, but older and meaner, okay? And so, um, sorry, you're just a prop. I didn't plan that. All right, I'll take you to lunch tomorrow. <clears throat> and um, so it, it's all right. It's all right. It, he's he's got to be used to being on staff. And um, so anyways, they said, my friends were like, uh, you won't ask her dad if you can take his his daughter out on a date. I'll ask her dad. Me? I mean, who wouldn't want me to take their daughter out on a date? Thank you. Bomb. Did you have to say bomb? <laughs> All right. Hey, it's my show, bro. It's my show. And so I go over to the dad. This is whole story. It's just there's no point to it now. Um, I go over to the dad and say, uh, Mr. Mr. Corey, I would... I would like to um, know if you'd be all right if I'd take your daughter out on a date. And he says to me, uh, well, Daniel, never go when you call that full name, uh, very nice of you to ask me, but uh, there ain't no way. You have a good night. I mean, I got my friends sitting back over here, my squad. They're all like, so I, yes, sir. So I walked back to him, and they're like, "Yo, what happened? What happened?" I go, "He said no," and they're like, "Oh, shut up, dude! Oh, shut up!" I was like, "No, he said no." They're like, "Oh." Now, nowadays, would you have friends that would ever ask a, a girl's dad if they could take her even out on a date? I mean, it was, it was. Uh, I don't know what sound that was. <laughs> We've lost all control. What are we doing? Let's pray, and we'll be sick. So. That's the way it sort of occurred back then. That was that fading, asking dad, that was fading. I just did it on dare, knowing that I was going to win this battle, and I lost. Nowadays, 2016, you become 
you become friends. You do, uh, and this has been going on for years now on Facebook or maybe Instagram or whatever. You do a um, uh, rate, rate. I will rate you if you PM me or something like that. What, what do you call that? DM. Direct. Oh, DM. Sorry. Whoa. Okay. Thank. Thanks. Thanks for for the help. Um. So you direct direct message and you put a number code to signify who you are. One four seven eight nine seven. And um. And so then they 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 post on it. One four seven eight nine seven. Ain't no chance if you're the last person on earth I would ever um, want to date you. Or so. I mean, it's some awful cruel stuff. Have you ever seen this stuff? I'm like. And then, and then or you've got the one, the girl that's like, well, you're okay, and I think you're a very nice person, and, and they're trying to say nice stuff. I'm like, y'all are just wusses. You're like, let me test the water a little bit. And, 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 and you know, you, you used to you have to man up and have to go ask the girl out, and now you're, you feel that. And then y'all don't, and I don't really, I think the dating scene is a wreck, okay? I, I will say this. I've never met in all my years to work with youth Someone who is 20 and mature in Christ or maturing in Christ that said, man, I'm so glad I began a date when I was 12. Oh, that was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> never, 12, 13, 14, even 50, never have they go, oh, that was really good. That really helped my walk with Christ, and I'm doing so good now because of that. No. Okay. So, gosh, where was it going? Okay. Y'all didn't even start to date yet. Not that you should, but you start talking. Oh, we're not dating. We're Talking. Talking. What is talking? I talk to my mom and it's not weird. I just talk to my mom. Hey, mom. We're talking, but not like the youth do at church. I, and I've, I've tried to talk with you, some of you through the years going, hey, what does that mean? They're like, you don't even know what it means. It's like we're, we're going out, but we're not. We're no, no. I mean, we're sort of. And so then you start today and then a term changed. Okay. And I, I will say this. Um, in my day and age, to hook up with someone meant to go on a date, uh, a, a nothing-happening ice cream date. And now it's bad stuff, bad. I mean, it's against the Word of God, clearly bad. And so it progresses, and you break up, and whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then you finally may get engaged and get married, and that's sort of what it looks like. And it's so exhaustingly messy, right? I mean, it is. And um, for some of us have lived through it, we remember, we can think, think back to, to the wreck of, of life it can be. And some of you are there right now. And you aren't doing your nod on your head because there's, there's, there's students around, but you're going, yeah, mine's been a wreck a lot of times. And can I tell you this? God's got such a plan for you. And I, we're going to stand up and read some scripture tonight that's very key and important that I really want you to get. And we've got, we're, don't worry, I'm not going to go real long, but it's really some, man, it's just... It's a truth. It's this one truth as you start to live this one out. It can help you with so many more in the issue of purity. So stand up with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, going to 18. Excuse me. That's my stool. Uh, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? 
for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make them, I will, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my pe- people, and they shall uh, uh, therefore go out from their midst and be se- separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to, to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Let's pray one more time. Dear God, we just ask right now, as we talk about your word and your truth, God, I just ask for you to move tonight and for your truth to sink in and stick in parts of our lives that we just need it so that when those times come, when temptation does come, that it will rise up and that we will choose to live for you because you are worthy of all of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated. First thing right there in verse 14 says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, I will say this. This is one of the misused, most misused, um, abused, and ignored of all of Scripture. This has been used a lot of times to say, hey, this means that if they're not the same race as you, um, you, you don't need to be with them because it's unequally yoked. Do you understand it's nothing to do with that? There's nothing in this. And if someone starts to go, hey, this is what the scripture says, you just say this to them. You're smoking crack. And if it's adult, say, sir or ma'am. Okay? I mean, re- okay, you don't say that. My wife's getting mad at me. Uh, you really, you, but, but really, you walk away. Okay? Because you, you've got to watch out with what they're saying because they're misusing the scripture because it doesn't say that at all. Now, a yoke, there's a few types of yoke. There's an egg yoke, right? That yellow thing. Y'all seen egg yolk? It's not talking about an egg yolk. That'd be messy. There's also a yoke that is a rabbi or a teacher's uh, interpretation of, of rules and the way they teach, of scripture. Jesus had a yoke. He says, um, take, uh, take my yoke upon you for, for, I don't have it in my head. I don't have it written in my notes. You know, uh, Matthew somewhere. Ha ah! My, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Thank you so much. Um, so he says, you know, take my yoke. That means take what I teach, what I've taught you, take it up, upon you because it's so much easier to bear than what this world says you've got to bear. That, that's a yoke as well, but that's not necessarily the yoke he talks about here. He's talking about a yoke that goes on an animal. Okay, an animal. And that is if you have two um, Liam... Come on up here, sir. You're going to be my, my guest. Come on up there, over there. Yes, give Liam a hand. The, the yoke is this. It's a, a wooden thing. It's most of the time curved around the neck, and it goes around both of them. Don't lean down. Just put your hand on that edge right there. Okay? So this is a yoke. This is great. We're like yoked together. Okay? And it, it would do it so that when they would plow a field, not one would have to do the job, but two would do the job, and they would pull and try to make a straight line, because the more straight lines you have, the more crops you will have. If you have lines that curve a lot, you'll have less crops because it's going to take up more ground. Do we understand that? So he says this. He says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Now, Liam and I, we're about the same size. Um, no, don't do that. No, his, his, he's like got me barely here, but I think I got him by, if I do this. Okay, so we're about the, the same size. So if we were to plow together, we're about the same size. We'll say the same weight. And um, 
and if we were to plow, we probably have about the same gait. So when they would tell us to go, we would walk, walk Liam, and it's not hard for us to walk and walk a pretty straight line. We don't have to try. We have the same gait. We work, we're, we're, we're a team. This is what equally yoked looks like. Give Liam a big hand. Great job, Liam. All right. Caitlin Walsh, come up here. Oh, yes, Caitlin Walsh. Give her a hand. My Caitlin, we are not quite the same size. I'm slightly bigger. Right? Nope. Don't tiptoe it. Okay, so if we were to try to plow a field, it would not work. Why would it not work? First of all, my stride is probably quite longer than hers. So when I would take a full stride, her full stride would be a half stride to me, and it would look something like this. Okay, and so, well, we did that line was pretty good, almost straight, sort of, and so we would try to, to go again. And, and, and do you see that if the oxen don't match up, do you see how they can't plow a straight line? Do we understand that, that concept? Thank you, Caitlin. Give her a hand. In Deuteronomy 22.10, it says this. Do not plow with an ox and donkey yoked together. Liam was an ox. Caitlin was a donkey. <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin, but you're the most beautiful donkey I've ever seen. Why, why, why don't we plow with that? Because it doesn't work. He's trying to say clearly, hey, do you understand? Unequally yoked is just that. You would go, someone would do a, you know, the, the farmers would get around the field and go, Bob is new at this. He has no idea what he's doing. Look at that. Circles are nice, though. All right? I, you know, it, it doesn't work. Everybody knows it doesn't. And so all of a sudden he's saying, hey, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Why? He's saying because it doesn't work. Do you understand in Deuteronomy 20 to 10, he, they, they, they also say don't yoke them together because the oxen is clean and the don donkey is unclean. And if you were to put the clean animal by the unclean, it would make the clean unclean and they both be unclean. And the clean will never turn the unclean clean. Is that enough clean for you? Do you understand what, what I'm saying? It can't make it right, but it will make them both wrong. It'll mess them both up. You can store that around for, uh, for later. I'm sure it's important for something. So verse 14 says this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness. Now, all of a sudden, this, this rant that Paul is about to go on, it is steady, talks about the same thing. He's pointing this first verse that we just read, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? And he starts to list like six things of why. And why does he do that? Because it's important. He is like trying to pound it in their heads. This is why. What partnership does righteousness, which is obe obedience to the law, have with unrighteousness uh, or law, law, lawlessness, which is disobedience to the law? Can they be partners at all? No, they can't. It can't work. It goes on. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Well, we've said when light comes on, darkness must do what? Yeah, go it flee. It's got to flee. It cannot stand in the darkness. Light 
and darkness will, will not ever be hand in hand. It doesn't work that way. And then he says, verse 15, what accord or har- har- harmony has Christ with Bel- Belial? And that's a word for Satan. Okay, hey, what type of bond relationship does Jesus Christ have with Satan? Some, some of you may say, they're brothers. No, 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 that's wrong. They're not. There's actually no partnership. Christ is the epitome, the picture of selflessness. And he was all about glorifying God. Satan is the epitome or the picture of, of selfishness. And he was about, all about glorifying himself. Two opposites. Paul is just going on and on. And then he says this. Well, what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What common goal does a, does a believer who says, my life is not my own, I've been bought with a price, therefore I will honor God with my body. Who says, it's not about me, it's about God, right? We've had shirts, we've done that. We've got to do those shirts again, people, right? This is what a believer says, it's not about me, it's about God. And the unbeliever says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. So let's live it up right now. They've got the Burger King um, view, have it your way. Unbeliever, that, that's what, so do those things match up? I'm going to live for God with my life. I'm going to live for myself with my life. Do we understand they don't match up? Verse 16, it says this. What ag- agreement? He's going on. He's just ranting, and I love it. What agreement has the temple of God with I, 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 idols? That's a hard word tonight. De- Deuteronomy 5, 7 through um, 9 says this. I don't think I've got it for the screen. It's okay. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make your, for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 9, you shall not bow to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, vi- visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Okay. Listen to this last part again. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Do you understand that worshiping idols, that means, you know what? Sports is more important than God. Soccer, football, baseball, I'm living my life for that. And God, I don't have time for you. Um, Friends, man, I'm I'm, I'm going to spend it with my friends. And God, I will spend time with you when I grow up some and I've got time to to do it. Those friends have become idols. Girlfriend or boyfriend, that happens so much. It is, it is scary, scary that so much is invested in that relationship and self-worth is found there. And, and that becomes an idol that's so much more important than God. And do you understand that it says right there at the end of the verse, um, the third, fourth generation of those who hate me, that when we worship idols, it's equal equivalent to hating God. You're like, but I don't hate God. You may not be doing it with your mouth, but you're doing it with your actions. And we do it. We do it. That's how important, he says, this, this is. Because the, the temple of God has no agreement with I, idols. It says in the, verse, in the verse 16, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, go ahead and go to verse 16 there on the on, uh, 
What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Um, And because as a believer in Jesus Christ, if that's what you are, and many of you have professed to me that's what you are. Man, this is what I put my faith in. This is what my life in. Because of that, you understand that you are a temple of the living God. You are a temple. God dwells in you. You represent him wherever you go. And he says this in verse 17. Because you're a temple, therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. So let me ask you one question tonight. All that laid out for you. Do you think it is okay or biblical for a true follower of, G- of Jesus Christ to be in a relationship with someone who does not follow G- Jesus or believe in, 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 in Jesus? That's the question. Because many of you in this room, you will face it on what will you do. The temptation will come and you will choose. And God's word is specific and clear. And and Paul says it in 19 different ways right there. These things don't match up. It will not help you. It will hurt you. It's just like the oxen and the donkey that are yoked together. The oxen will become unclean. Because it's it's by the animal that is unclean. And you think, man, well, uh, you know, I believe that in Psalms it says flirt to convert. Um, Praise God. It doesn't say that. That's, that, 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 that's not there. Um, missionary dating is not something that God thinks is, is right. But, but it's an excuse going, well, I'm just trying to get them to church. I'm afraid if I don't go out with them, I'll scare them away. And, uh, or some, and, and you're just making excuses. And you're compromising who God has called you to, to be. And can I tell you to live with this truth? And you go, well, is it that important? Yeah. It is that important. Um, there are, are, are um, the choices that you make now as a student will, will affect the rest of your life. You think, oh, I'm young, I'll bounce, I can, can bounce back. Some choices that you make right now, when they're wrong ones, they can wreck for some the rest of your life. And relationships will never be right for the rest of your life. And you will struggle to find right and you will not find it. And it's not because God hates you. It's not because he is, you, you, he, is, he is trying to crush you. It's because you chose to go that way. And your heart got dam- damaged. And man, I don't want you to do that. I've seen too many. I've talked to too many, not just youth, too many adults in the church. That their lives, they're married, but they're a wreck. And God intends marriage to be fantastic. He intends it for you to be awesome. He created it for you to be a great thing. And I don't want you to miss it. You know, this is not just a suggestion from God. It's a a command um, from God. And, And I believe in God's word, he doesn't, he expects full obedience, not half-hearted attempts. And so many times we go, "Well, I try, I, I try, I tried," and and and, and we, we 
he wants us to fight through it. Um, when you look for this future wife or husband to be whoever, whoever that is, and whenever that starts, because it could start, you could start to look and see things that you like and think this is what I think I'm supposed to have. I'm not going to even say an age, but not too young. Still be young, because girls, guys are of the devil, right? We talked about that this past week, and um, guys, you know, same way we flipped back and forth. Um, make sure this though that they have the same beliefs, standards, and faith in Christ that you have. Number one, uh, if you don't, it'll drag you away from God. Um, more than anything in this world will drag you away from God. That will do it, and quicker. Guys, listen to me, guys, as we wrap this up. As a Christian, when you are looking around for that right girl, I will tell you this right off the bat, you need to raise the bar. You need to raise the bar. Uh, you need to be looking for a girl who, well, I'll give it to you, you're attracted to. That's important. Can I tell you that? Not go, oh, I'm just going to, yeah, because God's, you know, attraction's important. But you need to find one who loves Jesus, and she loves him more than she, she loves you. That sincerely loves Jesus. Now, hear me now. Not that, well, she goes to my church. Uh-uh. Not that, well, she goes to this, you know, she's, she believes in God. And we talked about God one, one night and, and Jesus. She even said, she sort of, it, if you don't see fruit in her life of a believer, can I tell you this just right now? Run. It's not, it's not where you need to be. They, you might go, well, they, they might get there. Yeah, they might get there, but wait until their fruit is there before that's anything you will ever pursue. Um, but guys, hear this. You need to be the godly guy that a girl like that deserves. Okay, right now you need to be living as the godly guy. That's what you're called to, to look for. You better be that yourself. Girls, you don't need a guy who goes to church and can sweet talk it and has been in church and is a nice guy. You need a guy who loves Jesus. You just need a guy who, who goes, you know what, I'm going to, Jesus is more important to me than anything else. And he doesn't play a game, but that's what he does. Where God's a priority in his life and not an afterthought. And he's not going to come to God just because he wants to get with you. Though that never works out. I've watched it play out too many times where they go, well, he, I'm, he's trying to, trying to, this is a great girl and he's trying to, and she's giving him a chance and it just doesn't make it. Um, and girls, you need to be that godly woman that that godly guy deserves. And know what that means? Sacrifice. That means giving up. It might be fun. It might be some nights alone and, um, and, and tough. It will cost you to live for Jesus Christ. But it's worth it. No doubt, every adult in the back of this room would go, it is so worth it. I, we, I pray for you that, man, you will be patient, that you will be self-controlled, 
that you will go, you know what? I'm, I, am, I am not going to settle. I, I, I want God's best for me. But you better want to be God's best as well. I've told youth for tw- 20 years, don't settle. That's my phrase. When I talk to them, I even, they're five years down the road. Some are 24, 26, not married yet. And I'll just say this phrase, hey, 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 don't settle. Just because you feel like you're running out of time, don't go, well, I'm running out of time. I'm just going to, I've just got to give in. And I'm going to give this card up. Okay, we won't have that checked up. Don't miss this box we've talked about. You need checked off. That's the most important box there is. Don't settle. Uh, don't settle in your relationships. Uh, for the first person that gives you the time of day, it's easy to because you think I'm going to be alone all, all my life. And you're like, you're 13. Stop it. <laughs> or someone just because you're lon- 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 lonely, right? Don't settle. Can I tell you this? Our God is so much bigger than we give him credit for. Um, and and I, I've never really told my students this, but I'm going to start to when I tell them don't settle, is to don't be the person someone set, 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 settles for. You know, if I expect you not to settle, you know, I'm just going, don't settle, but don't be the, the one where that person's got to settle to be with you because you just aren't. Your relationship with God, God, you're not give, giving God the time of day, but you want all the perks that he gives. God has such a great plan for, for your life. God is so big. He is so great. This world seems so loud, and we feel like we're going to get lost in it. But don't forget, last week, God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's made you with a plan and a purpose. Do not forget that. Even when you go, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Our God is big enough. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for tonight. A chance just to talk about your truth and your word. Um, and God, I just pray over these students right now, uh, Lord, that they will fight against temptations of this world, they, that they will not sit, settle, and they will not be someone that someone sit, settles for. Uh, I believe you have such a plan for them, and I know you're so big. Uh, th- thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who uh, redeems us from our sin and gives us strength when we don't know how we can make it on our own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week.